Well, hello, Trav. Hey, Steve. How are you, buddy? I am good, and welcome everybody who is listening in uh, on the on the radio waves or or uh, YouTube videos. Um, uh, my name is Stephen, and you are listening to a, another edition of the Happy Hour Hangout. So let me go ahead and pop my top here. Oh yeah, Ooh. had a little splash on that one. That was good. <laughs> Sounds delicious over there, Steve. We are definitely going to have a fun day time with this one. Um, so we are, uh, it's Sunday, June 14th, so we are having ourselves a little Sunday fun day on this edition of the Happy Hour Hangout, and uh, I, I think we got a pretty pretty fun episode uh, planned. Um, we're going to do some do some more headlines, uh, do another edition of Shower Thoughts. We haven't done that in a while. I know you've been asking me why, so I wanted to make sure I, <laughs> I, I kept you involved here, and um, we got a fun kind of opening rant, so... Let's go ahead and kick off the taste test. Uh, do you want to go first, or you want me to go first? Why don't you do? Uh, why don't you break it up a little bit, Steve? You go first this time. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, so I, uh, I'm super excited for this one. I have never tried this before, uh, but it's also it's from uh, one of my favorite breweries. It's a local brewery here in St. Louis, and that is the Schlafly Uncaged Ale. Now, this is. Strictly a beer that was made to for uh, kind of a, kind of a charitable beer, so to speak. Uh, before I kind of get into it, it's uh, it's got 4.4 percent alcohol content, so obviously not up to your level, big guy. And <laughs> uh, it's got 16 IBUs, which uh, is so so low, but I just thought that was interesting. Um, but un- uncaged ale from Schlafly is a uh, Described as being brewed for beer lovers who also happen to be dog lovers, which we are both both those things. Uh, it was brewed in partnership with the Watering Bowl, uh, which is a local entity here. And they come in grocery stores, uh, four-pack, 16-ounce cans. Um, and portion of those proceeds actually go to help rescue dogs in the St. Louis region uh, to find forever homes. Um, now, my, I've, I've never actually rescued a dog before. Have, have you and your wife done that before? Uh, yeah, Jack's uh, Jack's a rescue dog. My lab mix. That's right. I couldn't I couldn't totally remember, but um, I, my wife and I have talked about it. Next time we get a dog, it'll be a it'll be a rescue. Um, but but Schlafly is partnered with the Watering Bowl to kind of help find uh, dogs in in shelters, find forever homes. Uh, it's an American wheat ale, and it's described as uh, a balanced. Uh, with sweet golden malted barley and hops uh, from Oregon uh, that uh, evoke a hint of spice. So trying to get super mm. technical with you here. <laughs> um, some cool things about it. So I showed the can earlier. Uh, so that's blue, but it actually comes in some different colors. I think there's a red one. And Schlafly actually works very closely <clears throat> um, with the watering bowl, uh, the APA, um, and the APA's branding firm, which is called Darling Brand Makery, then they all work together to actually make the can. So it was kind of a huge collaboration movement to get uh, this can made for the St. Louis public. Um, kind of other descriptions on it is, you know, each of the cans in the four pack it features a shadow of a different four-legged creature. Um, so I'm actually, I've got two in front of me. One looks like a basset hound. Uh, and the other one actually kind of looks like a, uh, a Labrador. So that's kind of kind of cool. Each can is different. Uh, so if you're a big collector, something for you for you to collect. Um, 
this this type of beer is very similar to what Urban Chestnut did for the same same concept. They had the Urban Underdog. I have to admit I wasn't actually as big a fan of that one, um, but this one here, I'm a big fan of ales. Uh, and that's for my first time trying it for this pod, uh, or just in general, uh, it's top notch. So cheers, cheers to you and cheers to Schlafly on that one. So why don't you go ahead and kick yours off? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm drinking a Stonewall Inn IPA, kind of a crazy looking can here. I like um, that. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, and I think this might be the second time you've beat me on the uh, on the alcohol percentage. This is a uh, this is a four percent IPA, wow. uh, 95, 95 calories, Steve. So this is the light variety. Um, kind of a funny side story. Yesterday, uh, we had uh, Chelsea's uh, parents came over. We're hanging out out front with the the twins and everything, and um, they brought over some McUltras. Well, I haven't had uh, super light beers like that in quite a while. Uh, they were going down kind of like water, and it reminded me, <laughs> hey, I've got these uh, these IPA water like beers in the fridge. I should really I should crack open. So that's what I'm drinking today. You know, Sunday fun day. Try to keep it light. I've I got to go back to parenting mode here in about an hour and a half when the twins wake up. So definitely don't want to get too out of hand like uh, some of our 7:30 uh, podcasts can go. Um, but at, at any rate, it's uh, it's actually really good. Um, super light, um, made by Brooklyn Brewery in New York City, which is uh, kind of cool. It's at uh, I got this one at Friar Tuck, so that's that store that I've hinted at a few times. It's got a bunch of beer from all over the place. Um, one of the things that I found interesting was that at one point in time, Brooklyn, uh, the brewery scene there, uh, was responsible for 10% of the beer produced in America, which I thought was interesting. So they've got a pretty significant... Wow. Um, beer scene i guess um and uh one other thing that jumped out off their website is that in 1989 the first international sale uh of this particular beer uh was made in tokyo uh and it's currently available in 30 countries and uh in five continents so very widespread sales for uh brooklyn brewery which i thought was kind of interesting yeah, so, I, I'm so yeah, intrigued by that. I'm so intrigued by that story. That's so interesting. I'd love to know how Tokyo ended up being the first sale. That, that's something yeah, we'd have to dive in deep on. Yeah, so they kind of touched on it a little bit, but they had a beer enthusiast. Uh, I guess that was a big fan of their uh, their beer and was flying it. I guess had work or whatever in Tokyo and flew it with him on his flight to Tokyo and ended up selling it, um, which is kind of crazy. I mean, that was almost 30 years ago now. So, um, but anyways, uh, the Stonewall Inn, um, is a beer, uh, that they're very proud of. It's, um, has been, uh, their website kind of talks about, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Stonewall uprising. Um, it was in 1969. It's for LGBTQ, um, type movement. Um, I don't know a ton about it, but I do, they mention it here and they, they, they partner with, um, the Stonewall Inn gives back initiative to help make the world a more loving place one beer at a time. Um, and so it's kind of one of those drink a beer, but some of the proceeds goes to a foundation, which I thought was kind of cool too. So, um, cool beer, great beer, uh, tastes good. Um, obviously for a good cause as well. So, uh, with that, I will say cheers to you and your excellent choice of beer today, by the way. Um, and, uh, cheers to you listening out there on the airwaves. Yeah, great, great stuff, man. I love that. Uh, yeah, cheers to you. Cheers to everybody that's listening. Uh, hopefully, you get the chance to share a beer with us while listening to this episode. And and cheers to uh, Schlafly and uh, Brooklyn Breweries for uh, for being um, on the on the taste test today. So yeah. All right. So as we get this thing started, I want to talk about something that is uh, 
near and dear to our hearts, I think, <laughs> but uh, also just beyond enraging. And uh, and that's about the game of golf. You and I are uh, avid golf fans. Uh, I think you and I have been playing for probably four, maybe five years together. Um, I think it's safe to say that we are horrendous at it. Uh, but you know what? Kudos to us to keep going out there and trying. Um, so <laughs> I've got a, I've got a just a quick story um, about the game of golf, and I know that you've got some that you probably will want to share. So this would be kind of a conjoined opening rant to the episode here. So obviously, with everything going on with COVID nineteen, it's been very hard to go out and get to uh, play. You know, nine holes, eighteen holes, even go to a driving range. Um, I. I, I this weekend finally had that opportunity to go out. I actually took my wife, who's we've never been had a chance to do that before, so it was something very fun and different to do together. And we went to play just nine holes at Forest uh, Forest Park. Uh, Forest Park's got a really cool course where it's three different nine holes, and so we just decided to kind of go out there, um, have have a great time, share a couple beverages. Uh, hopefully everyone saw the uh, the picture I, I put up on the socials uh, celebrating happy hour for Saturday. Um, so you and I both kind of share the same frustration. Uh, we can just practice all we want, and then as soon as we get on the course, uh, everything just goes to shit. Essentially, uh, your drives go down to the right when you're on the you're on the driving range, and it's going straight or um, Anything, anything you go or hit just, just, just doesn't feel like you, you, you make any progress. So we're playing nine holes, and I shit you not, the first five holes I had four opportunities to hit par, which for a guy like me, it's a that's a miracle, like Jesus walks kind of miracle. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I was, feel, I was feeling good at each hole. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm feeling good. I feel like I'm gonna have a pretty good, pretty good score. Uh, and then every, and then it takes a turn for the worst. Uh, each one of those par opportunities took three putts to sink. So just that hurts. Think, think about <laughs> that in your imaginary scorecard in your head there. Um, so not only is my wife, who's such a good sport about everything and trying to teach her kind of the ins and outs of, of playing golf on a golf course, myself being super excited going into something that doesn't usually happen only to just completely shit the bed for four straight holes uh, was really, it took a lot of life out of me yesterday. Um, so needless to say, uh, I, I was very happy that I only played nine instead of 18. Uh, cause I was very, very frustrated because as it continued to go downhill for after those five, those last four holes. So I saw it, it's, it, this, this whole thing is just so amazing to me because I've never loved something that drives me so bonkers as much as I do playing golf. I want to play every single day, but by the time it's over, I want to bash my car in with my driver. So um, I know you kind of feel the same way because we've talked about this mm -hmm. before. Tell, give me give me some of your thoughts and, and, and methodologies when it comes to approaching this game that drives us nuts. Yeah, I uh, that story uh, rings very true for me, although um, I'll be completely honest with the listeners. I, I rarely have a shot at par, so um, <laughs> I... Uh, I haven't been in that position too often. I, uh, I enjoy the game. I enjoy being outside. Um, I love playing, you know, with a group of guys, um, you know, playing a foursome and, and, and playing out there. It's, it's, it's a great time of being outside and just enjoying each other's company. The, the BS in between the golf, I think is probably what I enjoy the most about golf. Um, 
but yeah, man, I've, I've had my fair share of, um, you know, 120 yards out and, and put it on the green and you're like, where the hell did that come from? And then the very next hole, uh, you can't find your damn golf ball cause it's out in the woods or, um, you know, if there's water, I'm finding it. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've certainly had my, my fair share of it, but I'm with you on, uh, enjoying something so much and not, um, not being worth a dang at it. Um, but, uh, but man, golf's enjoyable. I, I'm, I'm glad you got out there and, and played. And it's definitely on the to-do list here in the, the coming months and, and get out and, and play again. But I, I, uh, I miss it. But at the same time, I know if when I get out there, it's not going to be pretty either. So <laughs> what's the rush? <laughs> yeah. It, regardless of how much just angst and, and bad mouth I just did on, on how bad we are, it's, it, it just felt amazing being out there, being outside, you know, silver lining. If there's, you know, any positive takeaways from my story is that my, uh, my farmer's tan is at an all time high extreme. Thanks to being out there. Um, so I feel kind of good about that. Nice. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I believe you and I are going to be actually going out, uh, 4th of July weekend. Uh, I think we're getting a group together for that, which is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, something we haven't had a chance to do just because of everything going on. Um, it'll be nice to get out. So, uh, if, if you've got, you know, audience, if you've got something that you love to do, but just brings you so much frustration, we'd love to hear, hear your take on it. Please feel free to share and, and message us on, on all the socials. So, um, going into just kind of the headlines of the past week, got a couple fun ones, got a couple, uh, a couple serious ones that we're going to talk about. Um, and then we'll kind of, kind of wind things down from there. But the first thing I wanted to jump into because this one blew my mind. <clears throat> so we have talked the last several podcasts over the last probably month uh, about the NBA and how the NBA has been trying very hard to uh, make its return, finish out the season, um, you know, get fig- figure out a way that they can have a playoffs and a champion so that nothing feels like it's gone to waste. And of course, I believe it was last week, if not two weeks ago, they had a plan. It's been voted it's, it's been approved and it, it looks like there's going to be you know a whole group of teams that are going to be going to play in orlando you know several games that are going to you know finish the regular season playoffs and there's kind of everything based in between that um all the way down to uh there's actually an article on espn right now to look at about the, the what they're going to do as far as the health and safety aspect of it which is very interesting uh, i highly recommend everybody to check that out because it's really interesting but uh this week we uh, we had some pushback uh, on players going to play the rest of the season in Orlando, and the the guy that's leading this circus, as I'm going to say it, is Kyrie Irving. Um, so I used to be a huge fan of Kyrie Irving. Uh, I am not anymore. Uh, ever since he started talking about the Earth is flat uh, many many years ago, um, <laughs> so he's just super super frustrating and annoying to me. Uh, but apparently there was a big conference call with a lot of NBA players and Kyrie Irving apparently had a quote, um, that's kind of made airwaves. And so I'm going to read the quote for you real quick. It says, he says, I don't support going into Orlando. I'm not with the systemic racism and the BS. Something smells a little fishy, whether we want to admit it or not. We are targeted as black men every day we wake up. End quote. Now, obviously, he's saying this after the fact of everything that's been going on with George Floyd, all the protesting you know, just there's just a lot going on in the country right now. Um, and so his, his comments reflect that. Um, that being said, Travis, tell me a little bit about what when you read that quote, what were your thoughts involved with this? 
Um, man, this one's uh, this one feels like it could be a landmine uh, conversation. So I'm going to try to avoid stepping on one of those uh, landmines that are floating out there. But um, I I found this all to be very interesting, and I'm trying to get a read on it all. Right, like obviously I don't understand 100% where he's coming from. Um, I I personally think that um, a lot of the NBA players aren't anywhere near as lucky as Kyrie Irving. And what I mean by that is he's made more money than probably 90, 95% of people in the NBA. And so. like any, any sports athlete or, um, you know, even a professional, um, somebody that works in a, a high leverage, high income uh, field, your earning potential is only for a certain period of time, right? So if you're a, a knockdown salesperson, right, you might have 25 years of just high performance, right? And you might yep. think, well, 25 years, that's that's astounding. I mean, that's a long period of time to really make money and build wealth and set your family up. These NBA players, a lot of them have a much smaller window. Um, you know, the average NBA player plays, what, five, 10 years? Now you get some of these outliers that are, um, you know, unbelievable athletes. LeBron's, I think, going into year 16, I think, or 17. Um, you know, these people that have had ex crazy careers with a high earning potential, they're set up in a much different way than your average NBA player. And so um, I, I feel like this is kind of similar to the baseball thing that's going on, where you have guys that are making an extreme amount of money feel a certain way versus the people that don't make anywhere near that amount of money. And they're, of course, going to have a different opinion because um, they, they need to get back to basketball to 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 capitalize on their earning potential and the skill that they've spent their lifetime trying to accumulate. So that's the first thing that pops in my mind. The second thing is I'm trying to decipher, I mean, for me, an average fan, and, and full disclosure for those listening to the first time, I'm a big white dude from the middle of the Midwest. <laughs> but basketball in particular and sports in particular bring a great deal of joy to a large number of people. And during a time of um, uncertainty, unrest, um, I personally think that sports have a, an ability to bring us together. And um, for me, I'm looking forward to having sports back in our lives for that, to have that bit of positivity, to be able to turn on, um, you know, ESPN or, you know, watch Sports Center or whatever it may be, listen to other podcasts that are out there and have them actually break down sports rather than just these phantom topics that we find ourselves searching for, you know, material to talk about. I want there to be sports and, and I feel like sports bring us together. Um, and so I don't know, it's, it's just, it's unfortunate that, um, you know, if he's sharing this opinion and it's catching news and it, it has a potential to grow, where does it, where does that go? You know, where, um, are we going to lose the remainder of basketball? I mean, I just, I, I'd hate to see us lose an opportunity to bring people together after having the country be at such, um, um, uncertainty, I think might be the, the word to say. So I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but I, I just, I'm, I'm struggling with it because I don't know exactly where he's coming from, but I do know sports bring us together. And at a time in the world where we definitely need to be brought together, I think basketball and sports in particular can help with that. I really liked your first point. Um, cause it actually brings to, a, brings me to a point of mine. Um, because I, there's a lot of people that have responded in regards to his comments uh, but one that I actually liked the most was from Austin Rivers. So mm -hmm. 
both of these players played at Duke University at different times. Uh, both have been in the NBA for quite some time as well. Austin Rivers, obviously the son of Coach Doc Rivers, who's been uh, kind of a, a coaching pioneer uh, in the NBA. Uh, he's you know one of the top coaches in the league. Um, you know, and and I've just he's just a leader that I think that anybody would want to follow. Um, so this is a quote from uh, Austin Rivers, that, and I apologize, it is kind of long, but he had such a great message that I wanted to include as much of it as possible. So kind of bear with me here, real quick. Uh, so he he said, quote, trying to find the correlation, us coming back would be putting money in all our pockets. With this money, you could help out even more people and continue to give, more importantly, your time and energy towards the Black Lives Matter movement, which I'm 100% on board with. Because change needs to happen and injustice has been going on too long. But also, not to mention, there are plenty of NBA players who I know need those paychecks. 99% of the NBA hasn't made the money a guy like Kyrie Irving has. Not to mention, NBA basketball is predominantly African-American, and a lot of our audience is too. Us proving entertainment and hope for kids is important. Also, keeping some kids indoors and watching basketball games on TV instead of maybe going out and getting into trouble. Not saying basketball is a cure for that, but basketball can maybe provide a distraction. And on another note, not to mention ramifications of not playing with that TV money, etc., CBA aspects, etc. All that stuff would really put the NBA basketball behind, and it could possibly even cancel next year. I love Kyrie's passion towards helping his, this movement. It's admirable and inspiring. I'm with it, but in the right way and not at the cost of the whole NBA and players' careers. We can do both. We can play and we can help change the way black lives are lived. I think we have to. But canceling or boycotting return doesn't do that, in my opinion. Guys want to play and provide change, end quote. So I think he said it perfectly. Um, and and I know there's a lot of people where, you know, LeBron James has, has already come out and said that he plans on, on you know, being a player and also a, an activist for, for social reform and change. Um, and, I, and I think continuing the season can help do that. Um, I'm very confused why Kyrie Irving thinks that going to play in Orlando is fishy or that there's some sort of conspiracy theory that, that there's some sort of systemic racism that they're all going to play in Orlando. I guess I'm, I'm just not sure where his <clears throat> mentality is on what made that, that comment. And, you know, I gotta be honest, I had, a, had an interesting conversation with a friend yesterday about this very topic and, you know, cause Kyrie Irving has made a lot of blatantly weird comments the earth being flat is a big one and sometimes you can't help but ask yourself the question is this him trying to get publicity or is this is he trying super hard to become like a conspiracy theorist or does he actually believe that there is something going on that maybe we the public don't know yet because obviously all this wheeling and dealing to get the season back up and running is behind closed doors and we just hear everything through analysts and and, and insiders Maybe there is something else going on. I just I don't know, but it's just it's it's an odd timing. It's 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 very weird. There's not a whole lot to back up what he's trying to say besides that what is happening is is racism. And if it is, I'd love to know more about where his thoughts are coming from. I don't I don't know. I just I ask myself a lot of questions. Don't have any true good answers, uh, but it's all stuff that kind of floats in my head here. Yeah, I, uh, one of the things as you're talking that, that kind of stood out to me is, um, you know, if, you, if they're bringing back, you know, let's assume basketball comes back and um, you're as an individual, you're driven to um, help and work with the racial injustices that you that you see in America. Right. In my personal opinion, um, and this is easy for me to say, having not obviously experienced any of this, but um, 
how many reporters, how many TV cameras, how many everything is going to be there in Orlando capturing all this, and you are the only town, you know, game in town. If Kyrie wanted to do an exclusive with one of these people and really do a full breakdown on the whole topic and do a deep dive, two hours. He could do it in a second. Yep. He's going to have the resources, the financial capability, and you're going to have the entire well, 22 of the 30 NBA teams all in one place. You don't think at any point you could do like a roundtable type discussion. That's going to bring a heck of a lot more attention and resources and, and, and notoriety and, and publicity excuse me, into a topic than just flat out not playing because of what's going on in the world, at right. least from my perspective. If you want to put resources behind something, you got to talk about it. There's a lot of people talking about what's going on in the world, but if you're heavy influence person like Kyrie is, and his opinion carries some weight, especially with young people, why wouldn't you sit down and have open discussion and dialogue and really pull resources together? By not going to Orlando, you eliminate the option to even do that. 110%. And, you know, when, when the NBA comes back, I know you and I are going to have, are going to watch as many games as possible. The entire public is going to watch as many games as possible, whether it's locally, internationally, and you know, not just African Americans. I mean, uh, you know, you know, every race is going to be watching the NBA because it's going to be sports, and sports is going to be mm-hmm. back in full force by that time. What a perfect opportunity to fight those injustices and really get your message across, uh, because every, all eyes are going to be on you right now. There's no eyes on you at all. Uh, you're just basically hanging out at your home, playing on Instagram. So I, th- I think he's not seeing the overall big picture in that regard, um, and I hope he does something to, to, to help with that. Um, as much as I'm not a fan of his, he's still one of the best point guards of all time. So <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's a double-edged sword with him, isn't it? <laughs> no kidding. Um, all right, cool. So let's, uh, there's a, let's talk about another headline from, from this past week, and I kind of want you to, to kind of give the introduction on this because you actually sent this to me, but I found it very fascinating. Uh, the headline came from The Atlantic. Um, the title was America is Giving Up on the Pandemic. Um, I had a chance to read this today, and I found it very, very fascinating. Um, really kind of opened my eyes a little bit. But uh, why don't you go ahead and kind of kick us off with this one and just kind of talk about it in your own words what you thought about it. Yeah, man, I uh, I found this to be interesting. I, I don't want to, like, read verbatim it, but um, basically the, the the it opens by basically talking about um, how as the country is beginning to reopen, um, so you have the economy reopening, so people generally coming back into society and, and having more interactions. Um, so you have that already happening. And then when you influx in um, the protesting from George Floyd and police brutality, you're getting thousands and thousands, hundreds and thousands of people uh, gathering together. Um, and there's almost a consensus vibe that um, you know, America in general are, are giving up on on COVID, and I am incredibly fascinated by this. I this is a topic that I wish I knew more about, um, but it's something that I've I've just flat out, frankly, have scratched my head on. You know, um, weeks prior to the protests, um, it was all about social distancing, staying inside, and all of that, right? And I don't want anybody to misconstrue what I'm saying here. The protests are for a good reason and, and need to happen. Um, and change does need to happen. Uh, but you don't hear a lot of protesters putting themselves at, at risk because of COVID, right? So it's just a lot about what they're there for, what, why they're protesting, all of that, which is all great and dandy. 
But my main question and something that's just been struggling me with I'm just I cannot wrap my mind around it is why isn't there more talk about the dangers of COVID in, amongst protesters, right? And, and take take what I'm saying and, and kind of try to step back several thousand feet. It, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't protest, but what I am saying is if protest, if we can protest and protest safely, why as a society did we close the economy and close up everything when if we're just if we can wear masks and keep it amongst ourselves to social distance and be okay? Why wasn't that an option from the beginning? And I, I hate to be the conspiracy guy, I really do, but I feel a little bit like um, I'm kind of being tugged around, like a almost like a puppet of sorts, you know. Um, and again, I I don't I, I don't want people to misconstrue what I'm saying at all, so I'll repeat it again. These protests need to happen. Change has to happen in America. It's well past due, right? My whole point is about COVID in relation to several hundred thousand people being around each other uh, in what's deemed as a pandemic. If that's okay, and we're not nervous about what's happening with COVID, why did we ravish the, our economy and ravish businesses and have people lose employment? I mean, we went to you know almost 30 million people unemployed, I believe, at one point in time during the height of this. Several people have lost, you know, several million people have lost their well-being and livelihood. Um, it's just, it's, I don't know. I, this is, again, another landmine issue where there's a bunch of stuff out there I, I'm trying to avoid stepping on. But mm-hmm. um, this one, this one got grabbed my attention because I just can't <clears throat> stop thinking about it, Steve. I, I don't, is that something, where'd your head go right away as you were reading this? Uh, there's a lot that stood out. Um the, the overall messaging is is, is, is really intriguing um, and I and I kind of wrote quite a bit quite a bit down so obviously uh, you, you kind of nailed the the nail on the head here uh, the the article really kind of just goes over the fact of there's people protesting in the streets right now they're in very close proximity to each other for long periods of time all across the United States um, you know Anthony Fauci's actually quoted in this article um, mm-hmm. stating in an interview that it was the quote perfect setup for transmission continuing transmission of this virus. Um, now I will say that there have been some groups that have addressed or given statements regarding the risks involved with the protest compared to getting and con- uh, transmitting COVID-19. Uh, you know, some, for example, um, you know, a lot of, you know, black lives matter in Seattle, um, Oakland's anti-police terror projects. Um, you know, they, a lot of them have like, have done some things to try to con- contain the, the aspect of spreading COVID-19. Um, and some have just issued statements of they understand the risks, but right now the risk, um, is, uh, it, the risk is worth it essentially from mm-hmm. the message they're trying to get across, which I think is great. Um, it's, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. I, I'm one of the ones that believe that that this was not a hoax. This d- disease was not a hoax. I think that really it stems from the fact that we were too busy with other things and didn't plan ahead to take care of this virus when it started coming in. Uh, just it was completely mismanaged, and to be and the CDC medical professionals. I mean, they've, they've come out and said that they truly don't know enough to give any ac- truly accurate information when it comes to describing this to the general public. 
that's why we were in the situation that we were in because they felt that they had no choice. Granted, this is my opinion. They felt that they had no choice but to completely shut everything down because everything was running rampant and they knew that there was going to be no way that they were going to get a virus until at the very least the end of 2020. And so they felt that just shutting everybody down, shutting everything down, making everybody unemployed was going to reduce the amount of lives lost. And as it's looking like, we're the United States will have 150,000 deaths when it comes to this by the end of the year. Um, actually, if not more. Um, so I, I, I think it really just kind of stems from the fact is we, we just can't we can't figure this whole thing out together. Everything was just mismanaged, and so we're in a we're in a shitstorm that we're just constantly playing catch up on. And the only way to play catch up with a country of six million people is to shut everything down, and it's and it's unfortunate. Um, but what really stood out to me in this article was this this dilemma that's been coming from um, and specifically African Americans when it comes to the, these protests, and it's it's what I'm calling kind of the million dollar dilemma here. Because you have all these protesters, majority of them are African-American. There's a risk of transmitting a deadly disease. It's being complicated and kind of twisted into this, these urgent morale stakes and responsibilities, which is the systemic racism and the police brutality in the United States. You know, something that really stood out to me that should be noted is the mortality gap between black and white people is significant when it comes to um, mortality, you know, COVID-19. And there's stuff that you can look up that shows this, but almost, you know, black people are dying almost twice as much as white people are with that have been infected. And you have something like that's such a crucial issue of protesting these, these police brutalities and and, and the, the racism and then putting themselves at risk is, it's it's almost kind of sad to to, to read and, and and listen about because you know if you think to yourself if you're walking into a situation that you already know could be potentially lose lose for you sometimes it, it's it's really hard to 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 keep going or to really hold on to um, you know what you believe in and I and I give all the respect and love in the world for people that that have still gone out there and and done what they felt was right. Um, and that's standing out in the streets and, and, you know, wearing masks or, you know, not wearing masks. Um, you know, it should be noted that, you know, George Floyd had COVID-19 in April, but unfortunately died in May to an issue that they're trying to protest about. It's just a, it's a weird world of a double-edged sword. Yeah, I, uh, I'd agree. And I, uh, I definitely am not, uh, I want to make sure that it, uh, I'm not uh, one of these folks that definitely doesn't think that COVID is a is a real thing. Uh, I just I there's just a lot of there's a lot of misinformation floated around out there, and um, I just I, I think that if we are as a country, we're going to accept that people can protest and protest in a way that um, is acceptable and safe. Uh, I think that we should also be able to um, we should also be able to do that with our lives and, um, you know, going to work and, and everything else. I just I, I hate the double edged sword that's presented out there. Um, I don't know. I, hopefully this isn't too terrible of a of a take. But I, I just um, I don't know. It just jumped out at me, man. I, uh, I want to see I want to see police brutality and, and certainly um widespread racism um you know certainly decline and, and go 
think that as folks our age get older, that will continue to get better. I know that's not a good answer for people, but I think that that's really, uh, you know, the case. I just, I, um, I think that Americans generally are giving up on COVID and I hope that it doesn't bite us in the ass, but I also hope that, um, I, I, I hope for a little, uh, fair, I guess, uh, balance in what's acceptable and not acceptable from, you know, the masses, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you on that. And I'll, I'll, uh, end this, this headline just with this final part. Um, cause it was a quote that really, that I, that I was thinking about the most, um, because the article essentially suggests that you're going to see, even though we've already seen an increase in cases since these, before these protests had even started, you're really going to see them probably weeks down the road. Uh, and there was a quote that came into, uh, if the country doesn't see a substantial increase in new COVID cases after this week, uh, this was written uh, the, about three days ago from when we're recording. It should prompt a rethinking of what epidemiologists believe about how the virus spreads. And I loved that quote because that is going to fuel a ton of those conspiracy theorists that believe that this whole COVID thing was a hoax and nothing mm-hmm. but a government control scheme. Um, it's just uh, it, it was it was it was interesting. And I just wanted to make sure that I, I quoted that because that's really something something yep. to think about. Well, I agree. And I think, and and sorry, I know we're trying to wrap this one up, but you know, it's June 14th. And I know for me and my family with the twins and, you know, close family here in in St. Louis, I, I can say with a hundred percent certainty that there's a date that I have circled at the end of June, um, that I, I want to see, I want to see how widespread and how easily transmitted this thing is in practice. And I, not to preview, not to take over your gig here. And I know we're about to talk about this deal out the Ozarks over Memorial day. Um, but I had a, I had a two week day from that. Cause that obviously is close to us. If you live in St. Louis or Kansas city, especially, um, you probably have people close in your life that were in the Ozarks over Memorial Day, or at least know of someone that knows somebody. Easy. Um, so two weeks after that, you should see a, a, a huge bump in COVID cases. And certainly through the first, you know, I don't know, seven, eight days of June, anything two weeks out from there, you should start to see major uptick in COVID cases for protesting. And if we're not, it's not saying that COVID's not a serious deal, but the transmission of it may not be nearly what we think it is, in which case use your best discretion. Obviously, I'm not a medical professional here by any means, so this is not a take my advice and run with it. But my mindset is if we get to the end of June, June 25th, 24th, somewhere in that neighborhood, and we haven't seen huge intakes in in cases, um, you know, I think that uh, there becomes a time when you start to have to say, hey, are we going to live in fear or are we going to live our lives? And um, I don't know, something that I'm constantly thinking about. Well, that's a perfect segue to go into our next headline. Um, this one's going to be a little more comical, more kind of entertaining to talk about. Um, and I th- and I, sh- it, I should note that what makes, in my opinion, this whole thing so much funnier is that this was written by a CNN. And so the, the headline is, another person who attended Lake of the Ozarks on Memorial Day weekend tests positive for coronavirus. First of all, that's a hell of a long title. Second of all, <laughs> CNN wrote this. And what's great about this whole thing was everybody saw the video of all those people in that big pool bar, the Lake of the Ozarks. I mean, I think I saw it four different times on four different dates and watching NBC Nightly News. It's 
the whole thing itself is just hysterical at the fact that this is getting so much attention from some just Midwest, just Lake, you know, Lake town. Um, and now, you know, we're, we're seeing COVID cases coming from it. <laughs> I agree. I, uh, so, um, someone close in my life, I, I, I'll say it like that. Um, and I have had some interesting discussions on this particular, uh, event because, um, it, it, it cracks me up, man. When this video came out, dude, people from all over the country were scorning Missourians because of Lake of the Ozarks and these young guys partying like crazy on Memorial Day weekend. And it just blew my mind the backlash we got nationwide over this one. And since this has come out, I believe there's been two confirmed cases, two from the Lake of the Ozarks that weekend. Now, I'm not, again, not saying COVID's not serious, but if a simple temperature check at a door at a bar where you're going to have 200 people in a swim up pool, that does the trick. Again, I'm starting to wonder why, you know, like why, why aren't we, why aren't we living our lives, you know? And uh, yeah, it, I think the backlash early on was really what I found to be the funniest thing because it's just like all Missourians were looped into this like backwoods group of folks that just are kind of like renegades. We're just out here doing whatever we want to do kind of thing. And uh, I don't know this, this story in particular just cracks me up. I I've seen, and I'm sure you saw it on your personal socials, but uh, folks that we know down there uh, having a good time and um, you know, live streaming from the, from these uh, little party things. And it's just, um, I don't know. It's funny how it's got national attention. So a couple quick factoids from this article and then, uh, and then we'll move on. Um, so the person that they're talking about is from uh, Johnson County, which is a suburb of Kansas City, uh, which technically, uh, you know, according to um, health officials, have 992 cases of COVID-19. Um, it was two. This was logged two weeks after the first person that was diagnosed that was from Lake of the Ozarks. Um, resulted. A lot of this, they're saying, resulted from visiting the same bar as the first patient, uh, which was uh, Blackwater Jacks. Uh, that's mm-hmm. where you see a lot of the video from. Uh, and the the, just the the cherry on top of this whole thing is the quote that Blackwater Jacks had. <laughs> I hope you're reading what I think you're going to. <laughs> uh, I'm sure. I'm sure I am. Uh, so here here's the quote, and this is and this is the best way to end this. Blackwater Jacks said in a May 30 statement. <clears throat> With the influx of 700,000-plus visitors to the Lake of the Ozarks area on a holiday weekend, it was inevitable that we would experience carriers of the virus, whether symptomatic or asymptomatic. This will continue throughout our season. Unfortunately, the virus will be part of our lives for the unseen future. I'm pretty sure that uh, means that they give zero Fs about what is happening as long as they're going to be open for business. If it happens, it happens. You know, bring on the conspiracy theorists on that one. Um, they're basically saying that we might as well have just dealt with this the way that we should normally. That's the way they're approaching it. I read that and absolutely laughed out loud. I thought that was wonderful. So. I, I thought you were going to reference their uh, July 4th pool party event called Zero Ducks, D-U-C-K-S, Given Pool Party. Oh, I saw uh, that. They I, are promoting I, I, that I, on their uh, on their Facebook page. Um, so they're going to keep kinda, rolling with the parties. I almost kind of feel like we should try to go there. <laughs> I don't think the missus would approve of that, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> zero ducks given July 4th down at the Ozarks. A phenomenal name for a pool party. Yeah. No kidding. Right. 
All right. So we got a couple other fun, fun um, headlines, and then we'll kind of end on a on a more serious one, and then uh, finish this episode off with some shower thoughts here. So uh, the first one. Um, so I don't. You're a big country music fan. I'm a big country music fan. Uh, are you a? What's your fan level like with Lady Antebellum? Uh, very low. Okay. <laughs> very, almost non-existent steve <laughs> maybe you'll maybe you'll actually enjoy this more than i thought you might so uh obviously last week lady a lady antebellum came out and said that they're changing their name officially to just lady a uh you know apologizing for their the, the pain that their name may have caused um but now it's created drama because there's actually a blue singer from seattle who is already named lady a and she is really pissed off at lady antebellum so I won't go too much into it, but her name is Anita White. She's a 61-year-old black woman who's released multiple al- albums under the name of Lady A. And she's just flat-out pissed off because Lady A, Lady Antebellum uh, did not come to her or did not do any research before changing their name. Um, and she's basically said that they changed to Lady A without checking to see if it was already used. So you've now got two groups named Lady A. <laughs> Could be a little confusing. Yeah. So uh, next time you look up Lady A in Spotify, make sure you really double check to see uh, which songs you're listening to. But I just <laughs> thought that was really, really hysterical that they try doing something to apologize for a name, you know, for something that may cause pain, and they they don't even do their due diligence in figuring it out. I don't know. That's so stupid. Yeah, they they screwed the pooch on that one. I'm not I'm not a Lady Antebellum fan as well. Um, which is why I found that headline so hilarious that there are in trouble for, again, just it's really dumb. So, um, and then the other fun one that I thought was interesting, um, and I feel like your dad watched this show, but I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> did your dad ever watch Duck Dynasty? Yeah, and I'd be lying to us if I said I hadn't uh, tuned in for a couple seasons early on as well. Well, yeah. As, as audience members will find out in coming episodes, you're a huge reality TV guy. <laughs> yeah, I, however, am not. So I'm not surprised. Um, I will tell you that uh, Stephen Loving Sr., my father, uh, watched every single episode of the show. I don't even know if it's still on, to be honest with you, but he was all in. Uh, he got he has figurines of all the characters on the show. That's how much <laughs> he loves this. Um, so one of the main members, uh, his name is... Uh, God, I have to look it up here. Willie Robertson. Uh, he's 48 years old by this point. He apparently hasn't gotten a haircut in 17 years. That's impressive. So, obviously, the the headline is about him cutting his hair and how he looks unrecognizable. But the important question here is, would you go 17 years without getting a haircut if, it, if there was an enticing enough situation to do it? If I was as rich as Willie Robertson, yes, I probably would go 17 years. Um, as a normal situation, I cannot imagine that uh, anything that would line up that would intrigue me on 17 years. I didn't even like the two and a half months I went during COVID without a haircut. So I can't imagine 17 years how wicked I would look. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was thinking about that too because I tried growing it out all the way through uh, – the time that, that I would be from working at home to when I went back and I clearly broke that oath because um, mm-hmm. it was driving me nuts so bad. So 
I don't think I could I could do 17 years either. I don't even think I could do five six months if I even if there was some sort of incentive. To be honest with you, it's I don't know. The, it, I just the, that whole thing is amazing. I hope I I'm almost worried to see what under his scalp is like under all that hair. Um, just, oh, oh, oh. You know, you think he's gotten that thing clean, deep cleaned in a while? <laughs> You would think for being some multimillionaire now and having to be on a show, but uh, I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. be surprised if, if that wasn't the case. So no, thought that was kind of kind of kind of some fun headlines to share um, with all the stuff that today. is. I like so, that. Um, so Travis, you actually have something that you're going to talk about to end our kind of headline portion of the show. So why don't you go ahead and uh, share what you got? Yeah, man. I, uh, I, I, this was really moving for me. And uh, I want to challenge everybody that's listening to the show. Uh, if you haven't already, you have got to get out there and check out Dave Chappelle's uh, eight minutes and 46 second video. Um, I, I, but we watched that on YouTube. Um, I'm seeing some stuff that it's on Netflix, uh, but we, we found it on YouTube to watch. Um, and I feel like there's certain people in the in, in the world that kind of can transcend normal rules. Um, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, if, if you're a fan of Dave Chappelle, you've seen some of his standups, especially the ones most recently. And he talks about things that for no normal folks, uh, would be off limits. Um, whether it's, um, I don't know. I'm not going to give a ton of examples here, but he 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 basically goes into areas that uh, are off limits um, right. and people kind of cringe about, right? Um, and, and Chappelle's been one of those guys that has not been overly outspoken on a ton of topics. Um, and this, tw- I believe, the video is like 27, 28 minutes. He goes into what I found to be incredibly moving. Um, Eight minutes and 46 seconds is the time that George Floyd uh, was um, choked. Uh, uh, The the police officer had knelt on uh, his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Um, And this is a very moving, um, I I hate to even call it a stand-up because it was more a, what I kind of would call like a public service, um, where Dave Chappelle went into kind of an uncharted area for him and you comedy and his voice um, really broke down this situation and this what's going on in the world um, in a way that only Dave Chappelle can. And so um, for me, this video challenged uh, some of my, some of my thoughts. It opened my eyes to a perspective that, um, that I've heard a little bit of, but Dave Chappelle's got a way of, of describing things that um, really can open your mind. And at the end of it, uh, my wife and I both looked at each other and we're like, wow, um, it's incredibly moving. And so, um, again, it's 27 minutes of your time. Find it on YouTube. Um, it is well worth the watch. Um, it's not your typical Dave Chappelle stand-up. He does use comedy like Dave Chappelle only can. So you will, there will be moments where you're just like so, um, I don't know, confused, upset about what's going on in the world and, and, and moved. And then the next second you're chuckling because he says something that um, is hilarious. And then it's right back into a moving you know, moment. And so... Um, for sake of not trying to ramble too long, it's 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 a video that I think everybody should watch um, because he has a way of describing and breaking down things that only he can, and um, it, it, it hit me, dude. It was it's a it's a quality video. I don't. I, have you did you watch it? 
So I, I unfortunately have not had the chance to be able to sit down and watch it, um, but it's my my wife and I are going to uh, do that this evening. So I, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I actually didn't realize it was a 27 minute video. I thought it was strictly eight minutes and 46 seconds. So it shows how much I've been able to pay attention to it. But I, I'm looking forward to watching it. I, I, yeah. I'm very excited to be able to. Um, kind of take it in and, and and have the chance to reflect on it whenever uh, whenever I'm done. So um, yeah, quickly he also he's also trying to uh, in the very beginning he's also trying to figure out whether uh, comedy shows can go on. And so it's an outdoor um, setup and folks are sitting two seats spread out, social distanced. And he talks about that at the very beginning before he kind of gets into um, the, the, the eight minutes and 46 minute part of the video. Um, and so it's really interesting hearing his like take on where the world's going and you know, we'll, we'll never know unless we try. And it, it just, Dave Chappelle is just an incredible uh, performer and, and entertainer. And so it's just, uh, it's really well done, man. And it, it's, it, uh, text me once you watch it. Cause I, I'd love to hear your, your take on it. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to it. And I, and I, you know, hopefully everybody uh, that's listening that has not had a chance to watch it, because uh, I know a lot of people have, um, to to take some time and and give that a, a listen slash watch. So thank you for that, Trav. Yeah. Um, all right. So we are going to kind of wind this thing down and we're going to definitely have some fun uh, the rest of the way here. So it's time for another edition of Shower Thoughts, your favorite <laughs> segment. Um. I've got oh one two three four five six brand new thoughts to blow your mind as you're as you're taking a shower. Um, some actually are kind of relevant to some stuff that we're doing, so uh, it'll be it'll be pretty fun. Um, so I guess I'll go ahead and get started. Are you ready? I'm ready. Buckled right. in. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> this is fun because I know you're not as big into movies as I am. Um, but you'll technically never watch an entire movie because of blinking. That's fair. Very thought provoking. <laughs> um, the difference between the creepy guy who stared and the handsome guy that checked you out is often just their physical appearance. If that isn't true, I don't know what is, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Take notes, everybody. Yeah. Um, Here's here's a good one, especially for you, Mr. Finance. Uh, you're closer to being a millionaire than Bill Gates is. Ouch. <laughs> He's so much further past that, isn't he? <laughs> How unreassuring is that to you to hear that? Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> um, when you smile at somebody and show your teeth, you're giving them a little sneak peek of your skeletal system. Huh. That's interesting. So, showing bones. Um <laughs> Humans shake when they're cold, and water shakes when it's hot. Wow. I don't know if I could ever think of that in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beauty of this segment. Um, and the final one, and this is great because we've been doing the 30 for the kids, and yeah. typically it revolves us doing 45 minutes of outdoor cardio. So the thought is doing cardio is temporarily increasing your risk of heart attack in order to decrease your risk of heart attack. That is very true. Uh, I was running, I was running today and I wanted to die because it was super hot, super humid. Uh, and I'm a large man who doesn't like humidity. So this, uh, this quote really resonated with me today. So, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shower thoughts always bring a smile to my face. Yeah. They're so fun. Um, 
All right, so that's gonna that's gonna wrap things up for us here. Um, wanted to jump into our shout out of the week, and here on the podcast, we'd really like to do what we can to show our support or give shout outs to uh, local businesses. So, who where I want to shout out to uh, this week is Espresso Yourself, which is a local uh, kind of cafe coffee shop. Uh, it's kind of in between kind of at the halfway point between my house and your house uh, in South City. Um, you know, I don't know how long it's actually been in business. You've you've been to this place, right, Travis? Yeah, I have. It's a pretty cool local coffee shop there. So I actually had the chance to go there for the first time um, yesterday, actually. Uh, my wife and I took our, our dog Milo to uh, on a long walk. Uh, I actually ran into you, which is pretty fun. Um <laughs> <laughs> and got ourselves, you know, some coffee and, 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 you know, they've really done a great job managing expectations when it comes to the social distancing and working through the COVID pandemic and, and still kind of keeping a, a strong business environment. And, you know, we were able to submit an order online by the time we got there, it was ready to go. Coffee was still hot, which was very reassuring. So it took us like 35 minutes to get there because my dog sucks. Um, but you know, I, I was we, we kind of sat on the, the, the patio that they have, kind of watched people go in and out. And so they were still allowing people to come in and order on the spot instead of online. You can do one or the other. And they were getting people in and out very quick. Um, you know, the staff was coming out. They instantly had a water bowl for my dog and one of those little kind of puppy puppy ice creams for mm-hmm. them. Um, and just, just a ton of just love, respect, um, you know, really treated us nicely. Um, and I look forward to walking there every saturday for for a morning coffee because it was just it was just <laughs> wonderful and by the way their coffee's fantastic so they have the wonderful fan you know drinks and, and food that you should definitely check out as well so that is uh that's my shout out of the week that's a great shout out of the week i uh i have a uh, i have a five-star review i'm dying to read steve oh all right so we're gonna do our uh, our five-star <laughs> review here uh, hopefully it continues to, uh, stroke our massive egos. So go for it. <laughs> we are, uh, these are all on Apple podcasts. So a quick reminder, if you haven't already, please go five-star rating and leave us a comment. Uh, this is a huge help for us. It helps with the algorithm of pushing our podcast up and allowing people to find us organically instead of us having to ask you to share our podcast every week. The more <laughs> of these we get, the more people just find us naturally. But this one comes uh, from an L. Dernberger. I have no idea who this is. Do you, Steve? <laughs> Yeah, I have a couple of guesses, but I'm not a good guesser. All right, so I'm going to read the comment, and I'm I'm curious if you if the comment gives away who it is. Uh, he this this individual, and I want to say he because it, it very well could be a she. Uh, this podcast has made me laugh out loud at the gym more than once. Such a wide range of topics and guests. Can't wait until more of Steve's futon stories get told. I also want to hear more about the Prez Suite during your freshman year. Cheers, fellas. Oh boy! Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if uh, I certainly don't know about the press suite freshman year stories. If we're able to get those out of the vault, those those may be locked up permanently. Yeah, uh, actually, I think we signed NDAs. <laughs> we're tr- we are trying to get corporate sponsors here, so I don't know that that sounds like that could be uh, that could be against our uh, our best benefit. So we'll we'll have to get back to you on that. Uh, we have Steve, a we have a you want to talk like... on a futon? We have a whole no, I don't. We have a whole vault of stories that we're waiting to tell after we get the corporate money. So, because by that point we'll be under contract. So, 
<laughs> yeah, so keep supporting us and loving us, and uh, eventually we will get there, and all the stories will become your knowledge. Yeah. So I, I have a feeling I know who that is, but you know what? I'm just going to keep it. Yeah, we're just going to hang on to that one. Hang on to yeah. that one. But uh, at any rate, um, again, appreciate uh, this is great. I enjoy doing this. I love hitting the, the topics that are a little more, um, as I've referred to it a couple times, landmine filled. Uh, I enjoy those. If you're enjoying listening to them and, and enjoying hearing our perspective, please let us know. Um, we want to kind of go in the direction that uh, you want this to be, right? It's a happy hour. And if the happy hour sucks, you're going to stop coming. So if you want it to be better, let us know how. And uh uh, we certainly want to make this a happy hour for everybody. Um, and again, uh, do, don't forget about our contest that we're running. Uh, go to our Facebook page uh, at Happy Hour Hangout. Uh, it should be the pinned post, so it should be the first one that pops up. Uh, go ahead and like uh, Facebook our Facebook page, the Happy Hour Hangout, um, and share that post and comment to uh, friends that you think might enjoy listening to the podcast. And you'll be entered into a drawing that will be. Uh, be pulling from uh, here in the coming days um, for a $25 uh, e-gift card uh, to use as you'd like, preferably on uh, drinks of your choice or a nice dinner out uh, on us um, as our thank you for listening and uh, enjoying our story and time with us. Once again, uh, you can continue to find us on the socials, um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and you can catch us where there are uh, podcasts available, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're starting to you know, really grow strong here on Spotify, so please feel free to check us out. Thank you again to everybody that has continued to download and show us support. We, are continue, we look forward to continuing that trend and, and just kind of keep driving down that road. So on behalf of Travis and myself, I will say to the audience, well, for one final time, cheers. Cheers.